This morning we're looking at John chapter 19, verse 25 through to 30. It is finished. That's the title of my sermon. The Lord Jesus Christ had been nailed to a wooden cross and lifted up to die. As well as the multitude of people who were there and had shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! It can be seen that there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and a few others, including the disciple whom he loved. And as is is written in John chapter 19, verse 25 and 26, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Can any of us even begin to imagine what Mary was going through when she saw her son beaten beyond recognition, dying a slow and painful death, nailed to a wooden cross? 33 years earlier, when baby Jesus was presented at the temple, a man by the name of Simeon took him up in his arms and he said to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. It didn't end there. Simeon also said to Mary, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. That sword must have penetrated deep into Mary's heart and soul, right up to the hilt, the handle, when she saw her eldest son beaten and bloody with his brow that she had no doubt kissed on countless occasions, crowned with thorns. If ever Mary needed to be comforted, it was there and then. And that is precisely what happened, courtesy of her son, the dying Saviour. Looking at verse 26 and 27 again. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, Behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, or from that time, that disciple took her unto his own home. The Lord Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And as a man, it's perfectly reasonable to assume that he felt physical pain. Just like all of us, additionally, he suffered the spiritual agony of having the collective sins of all the elect of God laid upon him. Even so, it is written that Jesus said to his mother, Woman, behold thy son, referring to the disciple whom he loved. And to him he said, Behold thy mother. When you consider the great love and the compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ 
showed towards his mother Mary at that time when he was dying and in pain, extreme pain, pain that we cannot even begin to imagine when he was nailed to the cross. It is clear that he was not being disrespectful to his mother when he called her woman. You ever thought about that? Why did he call her woman and not mother? And I've heard some explanations and somehow the, the woman that be, the woman becomes mother. I don't know how, but uh, woman is woman, mother is mother. Does it not seem strange to you that Jesus called his mother woman? As indeed he called her woman at the first recorded miracle, uh, the changing of water into wine at the marriage feast. There he called her woman as well. But why did Jesus call her woman and not mother? For one thing, had Jesus called her mother, it would have been seized upon by Roman Catholicism, which views the motherhood of Mary to Jesus in a way that elevates her way above everyone else and to being blessed above all women instead of being blessed amongst women. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 47, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit have rejoiced in God my Saviour. Only a sinner acknowledges God as Saviour. No one else does. If there's someone in here who does not believe in Jesus, then he does not acknowledge God as his Saviour or her Saviour. The fact is that Mary, whom Catholics venerate and view as co-mediatrix alongside and even above the Lord Jesus Christ, was like the rest of us, a sinner. And, as can be seen in these verses, she was a woman being placed by Jesus into the care of one of his disciples. I think there's a message for this day here. Jesus, a helpless sinner whom Jesus loved and he made provision for her even in his dying moments. When you consider that Jesus was speaking to his mother and to the disciple whom he loved, we don't have to think that he was shouting down to them, he was speaking to them, Woman, behold thy son, and so on. And also bear in mind that the sign with the words Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, was placed above the head of the Lord Jesus Christ, not before he was nailed to the cross, but after he was nailed to the cross and lifted up to die. It seems likely that Jesus was suspended just a short distance above the ground. We do have these pictures of Jesus suspended between heaven and earth. Maybe. But it does seem that he was simply a couple of feet or so above the ground at that time. And with the words that Jesus said, he was handing over the responsibility of caring for his mother to his disciple, which means that in all probability... 
Joseph, the husband of Mary, had died some time earlier. If you or I so much as stubbed our big toes, would we be thinking of anyone else? We would be too busy um, dealing with our pain and our suffering, hopping around holding our foot. However, even as Jesus was suspended on that cross, he fulfilled to the uttermost the fourth commandment, which says, Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I mention this because it is actually important to appreciate that the Lord Jesus Christ, he became obedient to the law, to God, even unto the death of the cross. And Jesus was obedient to the law in a way that we are not obedient, never once broke God's law, never once sinned against God. And that is imputed or credited to the account of all who are trusting in him, that perfect obedience. Also, with his dying love towards his mother, Jesus fulfilled to the uttermost the great commandment that places upon all of us a duty to love our neighbours as ourselves. We see that fulfilled there at the cross with Jesus, his dying love for his mother, loving his neighbour as himself. Having said all of that, all of you who truly belong to Jesus will know that his dying love extended not just to his mother, but to you as well. That's what you need to appreciate, the the love of Jesus for you who are trusting in him. him. Your name was graven upon his nail-pierced hands. And as the Apostle Paul said to the Christians in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 to 8, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God being demonstrated towards us. Christ died for us. Obvious question here is, did he die for you? Are you trusting in him as a repentant sinner? At the cross can be seen the perfections of God clearer than anywhere else with his attributes such as mercy, justice, holiness and love for lost sinners being manifested in his crucified son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at verses 28 through to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. We need not think that the first two words of verse 28... After this, I don't know what you have, if you have another version, but the first two words, 
that I have in verse 28 after this. You needn't think that they suggest in any way that taking care of his mother Mary was the culmination of the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally he said, I thirst. And he was given vinegar to drink. Making arrangements for his mother Mary was not the culmination of the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As wonderful as it was, and it most certainly did show the, uh, the tender, loving love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words after this denote an interval. Now, who knows how long that interval was? It could have been perhaps three hours during which time there was darkness over all the land, as Jesus bare the weight of sin of all whom he came to save throughout all ages. Everyone throughout history who will, whose name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, who has, uh, who will be in heaven, Jesus laid down his life for them at the cross. We can learn from the Psalms that Jesus had become devoid of any moisture. As it is written in Psalm 22, verse 15, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 34, just before his crucifixion, don't get the two confused here, before his crucifixion, Jesus was given vinegar to drink mixed with gall in order to dull the pain, but he refused it on that occasion before he was crucified. He refused it. However, now that his great work of redemption was all but accomplished, Jesus did receive some drops of vinegar from a sponge and with his mouth and his throat moistened, came the victory cry when Jesus said, it is finished. After that, Luke chapter 23 verse 46 informs us that he cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Last of all, as it is written in John chapter 19 and verse 30, Jesus bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Let's just take stock of what is revealed in these verses. For one thing, the incarnate Son of God was thirsty. That's a fact. He was thirsty. This is the one who spoke everything into existence. And yet, this at the cross, he was dry in his mouth. In Psalm, verse 30, chapter, Psalm 33, verse 6 and 9, It is written, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. This is the one who's now thirsty at the cross and his tongue was clinging to his jaws. He was thirsty. Let's not forget John chapter 11 where Jesus commanded a dead man to rise up. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus did precisely that, even though he had been dead for four days 
and his body began to stink. Therefore, even when the Son of God was made flesh, there was power and authority in his voice. The power, the authority, when he brought everything into existence, we see that power, we see that authority with the raising of Lazarus. Even so, the extreme suffering that Jesus endured as the sacrificial lamb of God culminated in him saying, I thirst. And vinegar was given to him to quench his thirst. When the sacrificial lamb of God said, I thirst, he had suffered in a way that you and I can never comprehend. And that is because every thought in our minds and every atom in our bodies is corrupted by sin. However, I wonder if to a much lesser degree you have experienced dryness in your body and your mouth as well. Not for the same reasons as Jesus, but nevertheless you've experienced that dryness in your heart, dryness in your mouth. Why? Because of unconfessed sin. The, 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 the sin that Jesus died for at the cross as the sacrificial lamb of God. I want to read King David's testimony in Psalm 32. I'm just going to turn to Psalm 32 and read it to you. A few verses from that. Psalm 32, reading from verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Unconfessed sin can leave you like a withered plant in a sun-scorched desert. Do you relate to that? I certainly do. Dear sinner, do you feel the weight of the hand of God heavy upon you? Is your moisture turned into the drought of summer? Then confess your sins to the merciful God, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. And perhaps there's a Christian in here who has allowed sin to creep into his or her life? Is your prayer life dry because of sin? Do you feel like the man of God David, whose strength and moisture evaporated because of sin? Then it's time for you to confess your sin, for God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm speaking to the Christians now. Also, Jesus said, it is finished. Far from being an acknowledgement of failure, it was a victory cry. Those three short words, it is finished, are a translation of just one Greek word, teleo. That word teleo means fulfilled. It means accomplished. 
Jesus was declaring that he had successfully accomplished his great commission to save sinners through living a life of sinless obedience and through laying down his life at the cross. Also, teleo means pay. You can never yourself pay the debt of your sin to God. But Jesus did precisely that for all who trust in him. Jesus paid the debt of your sin and he paid with his own precious blood. Finally, before Jesus gave up the ghost, again, he said, it is finished. Did he make an end of your sin at the cross? Amen.